This is Space Time, Series 25, Episode 35, for broadcast on the 23rd of March, 2022. Coming up on Space Time, NASA extends flight operations for its Mars Ingenuity helicopter. Work on the International Space Station continues as normal, despite the growing tensions with Russia on the ground. And Astra launches three new satellites from Alaska. All that and more coming up on Space Time. Welcome to Space Time with Stuart Gary. NASA has extended flight operations of its Mars Ingenuity helicopter through to at least September. The tiny tissue box-sized rotocopter, which landed in the red planet's Jezero crater attached to the Mars Perseverance rover more than a year ago, was only ever meant to undertake five proof-of-concept test flights. The Associate Administrator of NASA's Science Mission Director at Thomas Zerbuchen says that less than a year ago, we didn't even know if powered controlled flight of an aircraft on another world was possible. But Ingenuity's efforts have now clearly made history in the annals of air and space exploration. In the months ahead, history's first aircraft to operate from the surface of another world will support Perseverance's upcoming science campaign exploring the ancient river delta of Jezero Crater in the ongoing search for signs of ancient microbial life on the Red Planet. Along the way, it will continue testing its own capabilities to support the design of future Mars air vehicles. NASA's announcement comes on the heels of the rotocopter's 21st successful flight, the first of three needed to get the helicopter to cross the northwest portion of a major region known as CETA and reach its next staging area. Ingenuity's new area of operations will be entirely different from the modest, relatively flat terrain it's been flying over since its first mission back in April last year. Several kilometres wide and formed by an ancient river, the fan-shaped delta rises more than 40 metres above the crater floor. It's filled with jagged cliffs, angled surfaces, projecting boulders and sand-filled pockets that could stop a rover in its tracks or even upend a helicopter trying to land. The delta promises to hold numerous geologic revelations, perhaps even the proof necessary to determine that microscopic life once existed on Mars billions of years ago. Upon reaching the Delta, Ingenuity's first order of business will be to help determine which of two dry river channels Perseverance should take when it's time to climb to the top of the Delta. Along with routing assistance, the data provided by the helicopter will also help the Perseverance team assess potential science targets. Ingenuity will also be called upon to image geologic features which are either too far away or too difficult for the six-wheeled Perseverance rover to get to. It'll also scout landing zones and caching sites for the Mars Sample Return Mission. To fly towards the end of the decade, it'll collect the samples now being assembled by Perseverance for return to Earth. The Jezero River Delta campaign will be the biggest challenge Ingenuity's faced since its first flight on Mars. To enhance its chances of success, mission managers at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California are increasing the size of the mission team. And they're also uploading new flight software geared to improve operational flexibility and flight safety. And several of these upgrades have already led to reduced navigation errors during flight, which increases both flight and landing safety. A recent software change already on the rotocopter frees Ingenuity from its previously programmed maximum altitude of 15 metres. 
increasing altitude will result in incremental increases in both airspeed and range. A second upgrade allows Ingenuity to change its airspeed as it flies. And another enables it to better understand and adjust the changes in terrain texture during flight. Future software upgrades will include adding terrain elevation maps to its navigation filter and a landing hazard avoidance capability. But before aerial reconnaissance of the Delta region can begin, Ingenuity needs to complete its journey to the area. It's a complex flight of around 350 metres and includes a sharp bend in its course to avoid a large hill. After that, the team will determine whether two or three more flights will be needed in order to complete the crossing of northwestern CETA. The first experimental flight on another planet took place on April 19, 2021 and lasted just 39.1 seconds. After another four flights, six more minutes in the air, and travelling a total distance of 499 metres, NASA transitioned Ingenuity into an operational demonstration phase, testing its ability to provide an aerial dimension to the Perseverance mission. And with the completion of Flight 21, the rotocopter has now logged over 38 minutes of airtime and travelled some 4.64 kilometres. This report from NASA TV. NASA's Curiosity rover, which has been climbing Mount Sharp since 2014, is about to drive up onto a broad, sloping surface called the Green Hue Pediment. This will allow scientists to fast forward perhaps millions of years in Mars' history and study the history of liquid water written into these different layers of rock. Over in Jezero Crater, the Perseverance rover is getting ready for a new destination and science campaign. And it's consistently setting driving records on Mars by relying more on self-driving software that allows the rover to avoid obstacles without having to consult a human on Earth. Perseverance will be pushing north in an area where an ancient river flowed into a body of water. It left sediments in a shape called a delta. The rover will collect more rock samples there. The Ingenuity Mars helicopter will support Perseverance's upcoming science campaign. The helicopter has been given the green light to try to keep flying on Mars for the next few months. Upgrades to its navigation software will improve flight and operational safety. This is Space Time. Still to come. Work on the International Space Station continues despite growing tensions on the ground. And Astra successfully launches three satellites from Alaska. All that and more still to come on Space Time. NASA says that despite the growing tensions over Russia's invasion of Ukraine, astronaut Mark Vanderhey will return to Earth from the International Space Station as planned aboard a Russian Soyuz capsule at the end of the month. Vanderhey launched as part of Expeditions 64, 65 and 66 aboard the Soyuz MS-18 spacecraft back on April 9, 2021. His mission will break the record for the longest ever spaceflight by an American astronaut with 353 days in space. He's slated to return to Earth aboard the Soyuz, landing on the steppes of Kazakhstan on March 30th. He'll then be immediately flown back to the United States aboard a Gulfstream jet. Meanwhile, despite the growing tensions between NASA and the Russian Federal Space Agency at Roscosmos, operations aboard the orbiting outpost are continuing to go smoothly. 
In fact, two NASA astronauts have just completed a seven-hour extravehicular activity, or EVA, which is NASA speak for spacewalk, in order to prepare a site for the installation of another pair of new solar arrays for the space station. And Charlie is now out of the hatch. Arming up the toolboxes. And Kayla, we'd like you to fair lead at the base of the sea spur. I copy that. Nice job. You're looking good. That strut bag is flying formation with you. One of the corner adjustables down. I'll work on the other one. Copy. Adjustable on one corner. But the EVA wasn't without its drama, with one of the tethers used by the astronauts failing to retract as it should and one of the crew having difficulties finding an anchor footing during the EVA, which included installing brackets and struts to support the new solar arrays. Baron is now out of the space station. Baron is EV-1. And I'm working on my anchor hook is attached to the Ford airlock steering enclosed tighter lock black on black. I have a good safety tether pass, and I'm going to work on Raj's anchor hook. Copy, and Raj is going to the end. Just work on reposition my FDU. I got the snag. I think I'm the way out. Make sure I can get to it later. So your anchor hook is attached to the airlock aft steering. Get closed slider locked, black on black. When ready, you have a go to release your waist tether. Copy. I've got to go to release my waist tether. Let me fix the FCU here first, and I'll work on that. Okay, copy that, and Kayla, please turn on your hecko. The concerns over Van der Hay's return to Earth came when Washington and other Western nations began imposing sanctions on Russia over the Kremlin's decision to invade the Ukraine and its callous targeting of civilians. NASA's assurances about Van der Hay's ride came despite Roscosmos's chief Dmitry Rogozin's threats to abandon him in space. Rogozin warned that sanctions will end cooperation aboard the space station, placing the orbiting outpost's future in doubt. Moscow's already cancelled a lucrative Soyuz commercial launch for British company OneWeb in retaliation to the sanctions. Meanwhile, Russian workers at the European Space Agency's crew spaceport in French Guiana have been ordered to leave the facility, with all Soyuz flights from the complex now cancelled. Moscow's also shut down its telescope aboard the joint Russian and German Spectre Space Observatory. The joint Roscosmos-ESA-ExoMars mission to the Red Planet, slated for launch in September, has also been cancelled, and Russia's withdrawn its team, who are servicing the RS-180 rocket engines used by America on the Atlas V launch vehicle. All in all, we are certainly living in interesting times. This is Space Time. Still to come. Astra launches three new satellites into orbit from Alaska, and later in the science report, evidence that people pushing homeopathy are failing to show studies with negative results. All that and more still to come on Space Time. Astra Space have successfully launched three small satellites into orbit. The LV-0009 launch vehicle was flown from the Pacific Spaceport Complex on Kodiak Island in Alaska. The mission had been delayed by a day because of bad weather and lightning. The vehicle's on internal control. The rocket has taken control of the countdown and everything is on track for liftoff. Upper stage tanks at pre-liftoff. First stage fuel tank pressurizing. 10, water on. 8, 7, 6, 5... Four, three. First motion. First vehicle has cleared the tower. LV-0009, it's on its way to space. 
XQ in just under a minute. T-plus 45, still looking good. The vehicle pitching downrange south from Kodiak, Alaska towards orbit. And a beautiful contrail as the vehicle ascends towards space. The vehicle is now through the area of maximum dynamic pressure, or max Q, the point of maximum stress on the vehicle. Everything looking good. We have about 90 seconds remaining in the first stage portion of the flight. Coming up will be main engine cutoff, or MECO, which is the shutdown of the five first stage engines prior to stage separation. Plume from the first stage expanding as the rocket gets higher in the atmosphere with less atmospheric pressure. T plus two minutes into the flight of LV0009. Good tracking downrange. And in just about 30 seconds, we have a string of milestones all in quick succession. We'll have the first stage engines uh, shut down, main engine cut off, and then the fairing separation and stage separation and upper stage ignition steps will happen in very quick succession. Safety can't confirm. Option received. Option received. Vehicles left the gate. There's fairing separation. Miko. Stage, stage separation. separation. We have set. And upper stage engine ignition. Cheers coming from the Astra team as a significant portion of our flight milestones have been accomplished. We have about five minutes of second stage flight before our payloads are deployed. The payloads aboard the mission, which was called Spaceflight Astra 1, included the Orsat Zero spacecraft for the non-profit Portland State Aerospace Society, which will test different ways of monitoring the global distribution of high-altitude cirrus clouds. Also aboard was Indiana-based manufacturer Nearspace's S-4 crossover payload, which remained attached to the rocket's upper stage and measured space radiation and other space environmental conditions. There was also a third payload on the mission, but it was kept classified. The flight was an important success following last month's failure during a launch from Cape Canaveral, which caused the company's stocks to plummet. The company eventually traced that problem to a faulty payload fairing and software problems, which prevented the rocket from recovering when it began tumbling out of control. This is Space Time. Time now to take another brief look at some of the other stories making news in science this week with a science report. A new study has confirmed that people pushing homeopathy are either only showing studies which have positive results or are not being truthful about the scientific outcomes. The findings reported in the British Medical Journal shows reporting bias, with those conducting homeopathy trials having poor adherence to the Declaration of Helsinki, which requires trials to be registered and all their results to be disseminated. From their findings, some 38% of homeopathy trials remained unpublished and 53% remain unregistered. Furthermore, a quarter, 25% of registered homeopathy trials altered or changed their primary outcome. Scientists say the findings suggest a concerning lack of scientific and ethical standards in the field of homeopathy and a very high risk of reporting biases. A new study has shown that kids who spend more time in front of their computer screens are displaying an increased risk of both behavioural and mental health issues. The findings, reported in the Journal of the American Medical Association, are based on a systematic review and metadata analysis of 87 Australian and international studies. Scientists looked at patterns of internalising symptoms such as depression and anxiety, as well as externalising symptoms including aggression and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and they compared those to the amount of screen time the kids were consuming. 
The researchers say these studies can't prove that more screen time causes these behavioural and mental health issues, but it suggests that more research is needed to fully understand the link, including more research on the type of content children are engaging in when they pick up their iPad. A new study shows that people who use illegal amphetamines, commonly known as speed or GOI, are five times more likely than non-drug users to experience psychosis. The findings, reported in the journal Evidence-Based Mental Health, follows a 10-year study by Taiwanese scientists. The background rate of psychosis among non-drug users was 77 psychotic episodes for every 100,000 people, while among speed users, it was 468 per 100,000 people. The increased risk was seen among all age groups, but especially among women and people with prior arrest for speed possession. These psychotic episodes can persist for years in up to 15% of users. The authors looked at data from the Taiwan Illicit Drug Issue Database and the National Health Insurance Research Database between 2007 and 2016, and they identified some 74,601 speed users and 298,404 non-drug users matched for age and sex as a comparison group. Speed users also had poorer health, on depression, they were 2% versus 0.4% for normal people. Anxiety was 0.9%, three times greater than those in the normal community. Ischemic heart disease was 1.3% as opposed to 0.8% for the general community. Cardiovascular disease was 0.8% compared to 0.45% for non-drug users. And in terms of stroke, it was 1.3% for speed users versus just 0.7% for non-drug users. Well, it's been a big week in tech with new software updates for both Apple iOS and Samsung. With the details, we're joined by technology editor Alex Saharov-Royt from ity.com. Apple has launched iOS 15.4 as well as iPadOS 15.4, new watchOS, new macOS, and uh, HomePod and tvOS. For iPhone users who have an iPhone 12 or 13, you can now set it up so that when it does the Face ID, it can unlock even if you're wearing a mask. Now, I set this up and tried it out, and it works brilliantly so uh, you won't have to fumble uh, for you know typing in the numbers or you won't have to be an apple watch owner if you want to unlock while you're wearing a mask so this is a very cool feature hopefully android smartphone makers figure out how to copy it to you know, benefit their users as well mask wearing is not over around the world there's different places that need it so that's quite handy and uh, if you're an ipad user and you've got ipad os 15.4 and mac os monterey 12.3 the latest version just launched you can now use a thing called universal control to control multiple macs or multiple ipads connected to the same icloud account from the one mac keyboard and mouse or trackpad so i tried this out i had an ipad on either side of my macbook air and I could just easily move the mouse across to the left iPad or to the one on the right. And it works. It works like magic. It's really cool to be able to scroll up and down, use through, you know, gestures, start typing away. And uh, you see it all happening on the iPad. You can also copy and paste text and you can drag files across as well. So it's another little magical feature that Apple has uh, launched. There are third-party applications that can sort of do similar things. One is called Synergy, which allows me to use the mouse and the keyboard from a Windows PC to control a Mac or vice versa. But normally when I have the mouse on the other screen of the other computer, there's sort of this little noticeable sort of little delay. And it's annoying. Um, whereas mm -hmm. with universal control, it's smoother. It's very smooth. Now, Apple is wisely calling this a beta feature. Uh, clearly, it's 
still to be improved and Apple should have been more liberal in its use of the beta tag with things like Maps or other things it's done in the past when it wasn't quite ready for prime time. But Apple launched this feature when it announced iOS 15 and uh, it was meant to come out when iOS 15 arrived. It's taken a few extra months until iPadOS 15.4. doesn't work with iPhones, but uh, it's arrived and it's a magical little feature. I really enjoy using it. And what's the big news with Samsung? Well, they've launched some new uh, QLED TVs. If you go to samsung.com, you can see all the different range of TVs there. They're about to launch new A-series phones with uh, multiple cameras on the back to compete with the iPhone SE and all the other uh, mid-range uh, Android smartphone makers. But if you've got a Samsung S22, you will have something called One UI 4.1. Now, a lot of the older Samsung devices just got the upgrade to Android 12, but they came with the UI 4.0 overlay. The 4.1 overlay, Samsung skin, is coming to older Samsung Galaxy S21 series, older Samsung Galaxy A series, the Tab S7 FE, and also things like the S20 series, the Z Fold 3 and the Flip 3, and various Note series devices, and all the way down to the S10 series. So this UI gives you expert raw photography capability. So if you're a real photographer that likes to play with the photos in raw format, you'll get that. There's the object eraser that allows you to uh, draw a circle around something in a picture. Maybe you've got a, a picture of two people walking down a beach and somebody else has sort of photobombed you. You can now erase them. And other features like Google Duo, which is uh, Google's version of FaceTime, and you can now share your screen with other Google Duo users at the same time when you're on a, a voice or video call, the same way that you can do that with FaceTime and uh, the screen sharing that's there. So a lot of new features coming to older Samsung devices. It's a shame they don't all come on the same day for all the phones at the same time. You need to be on the uh, iOS to get that sort of instant capability across all the devices. But in the world of Android, Samsung's relatively quick to get their updates out, and this will be a welcome update, giving new features to older phones, and it will be rolling out over the next few months. And that's Alex Saharov-Royd from ity.com. That's the show for now. Space Time is available every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday through Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Acast, Amazon Music, Bytes.com, SoundCloud, YouTube, your favorite podcast download provider, and from SpacetimeWithStuartGary.com. Space Time's also broadcast through the National Science Foundation on Science Zone Radio and on both iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio. And you can help to support our show by visiting the Spacetime store for a range of promotional merchandising goodies. Or by becoming a Spacetime patron, which gives you access to triple episode commercial-free versions of the show, as well as lots of bonus audio content which doesn't go to air, access to our exclusive Facebook group, and other rewards. Just go to spacetimewithstuartgary.com for full details. And if you want more space time, please check out our blog where you'll find all the stuff we couldn't fit in the show, as well as heaps of images, news stories, loads of videos, and things on the web I find interesting or amusing. Just go to spacetimewithstuartgary.tumblr.com. That's all one word, and that's Tumblr without the E. You can also follow us through at StuartGary on Twitter, at SpacetimewithStuartGary on Instagram, through our Spacetime YouTube channel. And on Facebook, just go to facebook.com forward slash Spacetime with Stuart Gary. 
And Space Time is brought to you in collaboration with Australian Sky and Telescope magazine, your window on the universe. You've been listening to Space Time with Stuart Gary. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. 